Hey everyone, this is Stephen Overbaugh and you're listening to my podcast. And as always, thank you for joining me. It's been a little while since I have done a podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since I've uh, been on here. I've been doing a lot of ministry stuff, been traveling, um, going to minister uh, ministry conferences and different things like that. And so I haven't been able to teach on here in a little while, but I'm looking forward to this teaching lesson, this lesson that we're going to teach today, and to get into the Word with you guys again. And as always, I would encourage you to get your Bibles out, get your notepaper out and your pens out, your study materials out, and get ready to study the Word of God right along with me. You know, you get so much more out of it when you look at the Word, look at the Scriptures for yourself. There'll be a greater revelation that'll come to you greater understanding that will come to you, uh, greater light that will come to you as a result of studying it and following right along with me for yourself and not and not being passive about it and just hearing it, but also uh, putting your eyes on what the Word is saying. And so I'd encourage you, as always, I always encourage people to get their Bibles out and to look at the Word right along with me. We're going to get into some good things that the Lord has laid on my heart, things that I believe will be an encouragement to us uh, for a few moments today, and things that I believe are very timely uh, for what we're, for the day and age that we're living in. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Psalms chapter 23. And we're going to look at the first verse. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Many of us have read it. Many of us can quote it. But I want to look at some things here specifically and and uh, highlight some things that the Lord has showed me that I believe will be a blessing to you. Glory be to God. Psalms chapter 23. Look at the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, it says, and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Glory be to God. Jumping back up to verse 1, I want to look at some things here, and I'm reading from a King James translation. In verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Now, there's a footnote in my Bible for the word want. Literally says, I shall not be in need. So either one would be correct. I shall not want. I shall not be in need. And you know, it's so important to understand. I like to emphasize that the Lord wants all of our needs to be met. And he also wants 
to meet all the desires or wants in our life as well. Things that we would want, things that we desire. And it's important not only to use our faith for what we need, but also to use and exercise our faith towards what we want. And a lot of times that isn't taught on as it should be in the body of Christ. We understand, some of us understand, have understood about how God wants to supply all of our needs. The scripture said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, But my God shall supply all of your needs according, notice, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So that's where God God wants us to have all our needs supplied. He wants to supply all of our needs. Notice, he said it's according to his riches and glory. And it's in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And we see in the word over and over again that God wants our needs to be met in life. And thank God for it. We should get to the place in our life where we don't allow ourselves to have a care or a worry about any needs or anything that we would have need of. And get to the place where we talk in faith and just say, my God supplies all of my needs. My God supplies all of my needs. And in the face of need, in the face of not knowing how you're going to take care of certain things, that should be every one of ours answers is, well, my God supplies all of my needs. When the enemy says, well, how are you going to pay for that? Or how are you going to take care of that? Our answer, our response, it should be what the word says. My God shall supply, does supply all of my needs. And it's according to his riches and glory. He has riches and glory, and it's in Christ Jesus. You know, that's a place that we can live. It's a place of faith that we can live from. A place of knowing that all my needs are met. A place of knowing that all my needs are supplied. And I have no needs. Living with the knowledge that all of my needs are met. All of my needs are supplied. I have no needs in Christ. I have no needs in the Lord. And you know, that takes a stretch of faith. That takes renewing your mind to the word to, to just talk that way and to live that way. Live with the understanding, with the revelation that I have no needs. I have no needs because he has supplied all of my needs. And that's how you can respond to every single need in life. I have no needs. Even if you don't even have the answers to all the questions, you still know that you have no needs. Why do you know that? Because of what the Word says. But notice in Psalms 23, going back to Psalms 23, verse 1, he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not be in need. So not just talking about our needs, but also talking about our wants. He wants to meet the desires of our heart. Now, I know some would say that that word want is talking about needs only, but really, I believe it's twofold. It's desires and it's needs, not just what you have need of, but that which you would desire, that which you would want. 
Psalms chapter 37 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So the scripture substantiates that he wants to meet the desires of your heart. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 talks about, towards the latter end of that chapter, talks about how I got that he shall he'll give you richly all things to enjoy. To, that we're to put our hope, our trust in God, who giveth richly all things to enjoy. So it's included in that. But I want you to notice in Psalms chapter 23, the Lord is revealing himself as our shepherd. He reveals himself in this passage of scripture as our shepherd, the shepherd of his flock, his children. And because he is our shepherd, we do not have any needs in him. We do not have any wants in him. You know, it's God's plan that his children live and walk in a higher level of prosperity. To live and walk in a higher level of abundance. To not have lack in their life. Now, I know this can be a subject of conflict and controversy. And people can struggle with this because a lot of times they're, they're the natural world and what they're facing, the situations in life they're facing, tell them that they do have needs, that they do have lack. That they, and it can be hard for people to pay bills. It can be hard for people to get on top of things. Sometimes people feel like they're at the bottom of the barrel. Well, I understand that. I've been there. Feeling like you're not only at the bottom of the barrel, but under the barrel and the barrel being on top of you. I, yeah, absolutely. But is it? it's important to understand regardless of where we're at in life right now, where wherever you're at in life financially, that you have to understand regardless of where you're at, the Lord still desires that you have all your needs met, and that you walk in abundance and no lack. That's his will for your life. That's his will for the life of every single one of his children. And how do we know that's his will? Because we know what his word says. We find in the word of God throughout the scripture that the Lord wants to meet needs, meet desires, to prosper his servants to prosper his children to increase them and for them to have abundance and no lack you know in Deuteronomy chapter 28 talked about the blessing of the Lord for concerning the children of Israel and how he said if you'd hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God and observe to do all that is written then therein The scripture goes on to say he would make their way prosperous. He would open his good treasure unto them. They would be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. They would sow and they would reap. The blessing would follow them and overtake them. Prosperity would come on them. He would give them the power to gain wealth. On and on and on. Now I want you to notice that that was Deuteronomy 28. That was while Israel was under the old covenant. That was under the old covenant. 
That was before Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and established a new covenant in his blood. It was under the old covenant that he that the Lord promised that they could be blessed and prosper if they did what he said to do, if they hearkened unto the voice of the Lord their God. In other words, hearkening or listening to the word of God, what he said to do. Well, coming over into the new covenant, we find in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6 that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established, notice, established upon better promises. Glory be to God. I love that. I, every time I quote or read that scripture, I get excited about it because it's we're living in a better covenant. We're living under a better covenant, which is established upon better promises. So if God was willing to bless the children of Israel under the old covenant, how much more under a better covenant, this new covenant, sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ? How much more under a better covenant, which is established upon better promises, can we have the blessing? Can we prosper? Can we have abundance and no lack? Glory be to God. You know, Psalms chapter 35 and verse 27 says, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure or takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Contrary to what so many Christians think today, what so many people think in the church world today, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children and of his servants. He takes pleasure in that. He does not have displeasure in that. There's been um, wrong teaching in the body of Christ and been wrong believing in the body of Christ, watered down old doctrine and religious ideas that have taught that God wants you to be humble through poverty. But God is not interested in keeping his children impoverished or in poverty. But no, he's, he takes pleasure, the scripture said in Psalms 20, 35, 27. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. No, God doesn't want us to struggle to have our needs met. He doesn't want us to struggle to and just get by or barely get by. But no, he wants us to have more than enough so that we can prosper the kingdom of God, so that we can do his will in the earth. You know, the Lord spoke to me one time about these last days and concerning the church specifically. And he said, in these last days, the church will rise up and have the money and the abundance it needs to do the work of the Lord. For those who will believe it, for those who will receive it and exercise their faith towards it, exercise their faith for what I have said, they'll have abundance and no lack, and the work of the Lord shall be fully funded in these last days. Glory be to God. You know, he said that to me, and I've believed that, and I've endeavored, I have walked in that. And the the great thing about the the kingdom of God, the great thing about uh God's covenant 
And what God has promised us in his word is that you can continue to go deeper and deeper into his plan, deeper and deeper into his promises. You can have more and more and more. You can go from glory to glory to glory. And so where you're at today doesn't have to be where you're, where you're going to be tomorrow. In other words, you can be in a different place in your tomorrows. You can continue to grow in these things. And so it's God's plan that we prosper and have a full supply. You know what it means to be rich according to the scripture? Richness is having a full supply. Full supply. Overflowed. Overflow in his plan. Glory be to God. And so he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. We got all that out of verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. See, God revealed himself here as our shepherd. And him being our shepherd, if people will believe that and get a true revelation and understanding of that from the Holy Ghost, they'll see that because he is my shepherd, because he is their shepherd, they have no needs, they have no wants. Glory be to God. Going on, verse 2, he says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. Notice, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. He is the one who leads us and guides us into a place of rest, into a place of peace. That's what green pastures represents. That's what still waters represents. Provision, rest, and peace. And he's the one who makes us to lie down. He's the one who leads us into that place. Why? Because he is the shepherd. Because he is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Glory be to God. Having an understanding, like I said, having a revelation of that will change the way you live. The way that you respond to life's situations. The way you respond to the enemy. We need to see the Lord as our shepherd. And because of that, because he is my shepherd, I can live and walk in a place of peace. I can live and walk in a place of rest. I know that I can dwell in green pastures and stay alongside still waters because I'm staying close to the shepherd. And in a time when there seems like there's so much difficulty, financial instability and distress, stock markets all over the world are are crashing, inflation is going on, prices of things are going up, people are confused, people are fearful, people don't know where to turn to. We should be turning as the church to the Lord who is our shepherd. And because he is our shepherd, he will cause us, make us, the King James says, to lie down in green pastures. He will lead us beside the still waters. Glory be to God. I want you to notice verse 3, verse 3 of Psalms 23. He said, He restoreth my soul. Now that word restore there, we could also say renews my soul. So it means restore, it means renew He renews my soul or my mind. 
when the King James or when the Bible talks about the soul of man, he's talking about the mind of man. And specifically reading out of a King James translation, he's talking about the mind. And in verse 3, he want, he says, he'll restore my soul. Well, does that sound familiar? It sounds familiar to what Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, doesn't it? Verse 1, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed, verse 2, notice, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He goes on to say that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said, be not conformed, be transformed. Well, how am I going to be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Well, and here in Psalms 23, he said, he restoreth or renews my soul. Glory be to God. So how is, he, how is our mind going to be renewed to the word of God? How do we renew our, our mind to the word? How do we get ourselves to think like God wants us to think? We have to spend time feeding on, feasting on the word of God. And I kind of gave myself away when I was saying that. But it's through the word of God that you renew your mind. You renew your mind through his word. There's a footnote in my Bible again in Psalms 23 verse 3. The footnote says, "Bring, brings back my soul. He restoreth my soul or brings back my soul. Well, a lot of times... Your mind can be conformed to the world's way of thinking. A lot of people have thought like the world's thought, have fed on the world's way of thinking for so long that their mind is conformed to the world. Well, there's still hope for those individuals. There's still an answer for those individuals. Your mind can be changed. Your mind can be transformed like the scripture said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, but it's through the renewing of the mind. It's through the renewing of the mind on the word of God. It's through the word of God. And so it can, the word can bring your mind back to a place where it thinks like God thinks, where it meditates on things of God, where it meditates on peace and in life. And can be brought back from thoughts of death and thoughts of destruction and thoughts of sin and evil. To think like God wants us to think. It can, we can have a restored or a renewed soul or mind. And thank God that he has given us his word. Remember Jesus said in John 6, 63, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so the word of God is spirit words. They're words of the spirit. They don't make sense to the natural all the time. They won't make sense to this natural realm, this world that we live in. It goes contrary. The word of God very oftentimes will go contrary 
to the course of this world. Yet, Jesus goes on to say that their life, it brings life. Because it's his life. And so we can, as we're renewing our mind to the word of God, as we're feeding on the word of God, we are feeding on the words of life. Hallelujah. You remember uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them, notice, in the midst of thine heart. For they, talking about my words, are life unto those that find them. And they are health to all their flesh. So we could say it this way, words of life, words of health. His words are words of life, and they're words of health. But notice, you have to find them. Those that find them. Those that find them. Well, how do we find God's word? How do we experience verse 22 or enjoy the promises of verse 22, which is life and health? It comes by being a doer of the word and following or practicing verse 20 and verse 21. In Proverbs 4, 20 and 21, he said, Attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. And let them not depart from thine eyes. And keep them in the midst of thine heart. See, in order to experience or enjoy verse 22, you have to practice verse 20 and verse 21. Attending to the word of God. Now that word attend there means to give attention to. To give heed to the word. He says incline your ear. Incline your ear. If you look that up in the Greek, study it out. Actually it would have been in the Hebrew because it's the Old Testament. If you study it out though, it says that literally it means to bend over to hear, that word inclined there, to bend over to hear. Well, if I'm bending over to hear the word of God, it means that I don't have any other voices coming into my ear. I'm solely focused on listening to the word of God. I'm tuning everything else out to solely or, or only listen to the word of God. It's almost as if you'd put on headphones when everybody else around in the room is talking to you, but you want to listen to one thing in particular, so you put on headphones to listen to it, and you block everything else out. It's kind of like that. That's inclining your ear. You're inclining to a certain thing. Well, the scripture says that we're to incline our ear unto the word of God. Now, the word incline means to bend over, like we said, and to hear the word attend means to give heed and attention to. See, if you're giving attention to the word of God, and if you're inclining your ear to the word of God, then that means everything else has to go. Everything else has to go. Everything else out, God's word in. You can't be 
listening to other voices and inclining your ear to the word of God. That's not inclining. That's not attending to be hearing other voices and still trying to hear the voice of God. No, no, no. If you're inclining, if you're attending to the word, then that means that every other voice has to go. Any voice that's contrary to the word of God has to go. You can't listen to that. It's not inclining if you're listening to other things that go contrary to the word of God. You know, and a lot of times people, if they're going to have success in life, if they're going to receive from God the way they want to and need to, then they're going to have to remove themselves from those other voices that would distract them from hearing the word of God or remove themselves from those other voices that would tear down or contaminate or hinder their faith. See, if you're listening to other voices, if you're feeding on other things, then you're not inclining to the word of God. If it goes contrary to the word. But see, attending to my words, inclining your ear into my sayings, my sole focus, my full attention has to be on the word of God. Notice verse 21, it says, let them not depart from thine eyes. So you see, notice he says, he talks about your ears, he talks about your eyes, both natural and spiritual, because your spirit, the real you, the inner man, the hidden man of the heart, heart that Peter talked about. He, he has ears and he has eyes, just like your natural man does. And so ears and eyes in the realm of the spirit, just like there are in the realm of the natural. And your ears and your eyes are the gateway to your heart. Because you notice at the end of verse 21, he says, keep them in the midst of your heart. Well, how do you keep them there? How do you get them into the midst of your heart? How do you get the word of God into your heart? Through the gateway of your ears and your eyes. Remember, Jesus constantly said in his teachings, when he would teach the people, he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he also said one time in Mark chapter 4, he said, Take heed how you hear. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the importance of hearing correctly. He's talking about the importance of hearing the word of God in faith. Hearing what is being said by the spirit of God in faith. And the ears and the eyes of man are the gateway to your heart. So whatever you're listening to, whatever you're looking at is getting down into your spirit. And that is why it's so important to keep the word in there and to keep everything else out. So that we can benefit from or enjoy verse 22. Life and health. They, my words, are life to those that find them. The scripture says in verse 22. Health to all their flesh. Glory be to God. So we're talking about the words of God. Amen. Glory be to God. Talking about his word. Talking about his words of life and words of health. And then jumping back over to Psalms 23, 
he said in verse 3, he restoreth my soul. How is my soul going to be restored to where I think thoughts of life and have thoughts of peace in, in my life? Where my mind is clear, it's through the, re- the renewing of the soul on the word of God or feeding on the word of God. Renewing your mind to the word of God. You know, um, the third epistle of John, third John, uh, verse two, I believe it is, said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you, thou mayest prosper and be in health. Notice the next phrase, even as thy soul prospereth. So see, he said, I I wish above all that you may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So as your soul or your mind, like we said earlier, prospers, so will you prosper in every other area of life. When your mind is clear, when your mind is prospering, then you'll be in health, you'll prosper financially, you'll prosper in your relationships, you'll prosper in your job place, you'll prosper in every area of life. And it first comes through the prospering of the soul. And the way our soul prospers is through renewing it to the word of God. Hallelujah. And people think, well, I got to work on this. I got to fix this problem. I got to fix this issue. Really, the focus should be on renewing and getting your mind renewed to the word of God because what it's the word of life if you get life in your mind that'll affect the other uh, areas of your life other parts of your life can you say amen verse 3 goes on to say he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name sake yea Though I walk, verse 4, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I want you to notice he said, yea, though I walk through. Yea, though I walk through. We're not called to go into the valley of, and then to fail in the valley or to or to be destroyed in the valley like so many people thought <laughs> but no we're called to walk through the valley he said yeah though i walk through the valley it's not because god's leading us into the valley because but it's because we're in the world remember jesus said in john sixteen thirty three, in the world you'll have tribulation be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Well, because of proximity, we face tribulation. Because of proximity, we may find ourselves facing a valley. And he, the psalmist here said, it's a valley of the shadow of death. We could also say it's a valley of temptation. We could also say it's a valley of uh, difficulty. We could also say it's a valley where we find ourselves in a storm or a trial. But see, God doesn't lead us into those places, but he will lead us through those places. And that's so very important. There's a big difference between the two. And this is where people miss it a lot of times. They think God is the author of good and evil. 
that he will lead us into things like this because he wants to teach us something. Well, I haven't yet found a person that has told me what lesson I'm supposed to be learning out of difficulty from God. If he's putting me through difficulty, trials, tests, and storms to teach me something, what is the lesson I'm supposed to be learning? Nobody's been able to ever answer that me, to me. And you know they never will be able to because it's not found in the word. No, we know that the scripture says that this, it's the thief, John 10.10, 10, that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I actually, when I was in second grade of uh, school, elementary, I had challenged to teach. I went to a Christian school, and it was a good school for the most part, but they had uh, wrong ideas and wrong teaching concerning sovereignty, the sovereignty of God, and how that God was sovereign and he was author of both good and evil. He was over it all. And uh, I challenged her on it. As a, as a second grader, I challenged her and and said, basically, that's not the, what the word teaches. Well, I was a, a preacher in the making in those days. And you know, the light, I even back then, the light came on for her when she heard what I had to say. You know, if people just get into the word and actually see what it says for themselves, then the light can come on in their life too. And they can realize, oh, the, 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 that God is a good God. Just like James said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I remember a lady I was talking to on an airplane one time. I was flying back from Florida to Dallas, Texas. And I was sitting next to this lady. And I had to tell you the honest truth, I was real tired on this flight and wanted to just sleep. But the Lord didn't want me to sleep. He wouldn't let me sleep. He wanted me to minister to this lady. And as I was listening to her talk, she was talking about how her, her parents had been pastors and how they had served the Lord all their life. But in their latter years, they had gotten sick and they, they lost their mind. They started to have problems with their memory and they ended up in a, uh, in a assisted living home, a senior living home, whatever you call it. And she just was confused about it and she was having questions about it and she wasn't she wasn't denying her faith, but she you could tell she just was really struggling with the understanding why. They're such good people, she said. Well, I was able to minister to her. I told her, well, well, you have kids, don't you? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, well, would you put sickness and disease on any one of your children? She said, well, absolutely not. No, I wouldn't. And I said, well, okay, then you're a better parent than God is. And when I said that, the light came on. And I, t I went on to teach her right there in the airplane about how God is not the author of sickness and disease. How he came to redeem us from sickness and disease. And to redeem us from all these other things. To redeem us from the curse of the law. Like Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says. And you know, she realized it. She saw it for herself. Well, that's all people need is to see the word, to hear the word for themselves. And to and when the light comes on, then they can stop living under the oppression of the enemy. You know, the scripture says, my people 
perish for lack of knowledge. That's what the prophet said. It's absolutely the truth. People perish, God's children perish because of a lack of knowledge of the word of God. But see, when you renew your mind to the word and you see what the word says for yourself, then you can walk in the victory every single time in every area of life. So he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, God didn't bring us into the valley. We're, we find ourselves in the valley sometimes because of proximity. But God does promise to bring us through the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Notice, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So God's with us. God's for us and not against us. Can you say amen? Look at verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I want you to notice that the table of the Lord is prepared for us. It's laid out for us. It's been prepared for us to come up and be seated at. There's a feast at the table of the Lord. A wonderful feast of all his blessings, redemption, inheritance, everything that he's provided for us. Healing is at the table of the Lord. Salvation is at the table of the Lord. Prosperity is at the table of the Lord. Protection and preservation is at the table of the Lord. Of the Lord. Joy and peace is at and on the table of the Lord. Reward is on the table of the Lord. These are all things that are found in the Word of God. They're all at the table. He's prepared all of these things for us. Glory be to God. And we can partake of every single one of them by faith. Through His Word, through the knowledge of His Word, and by faith we can partake of every single one of these things. But notice he said he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The problem with Christians a lot of times is that they're looking at the enemy in the presence of the enemy rather than having their focus on the table. But the Lord wants our focus, our eyes, our gaze to be on his table, the table that has been prepared for me. Hallelujah. And not worry about the enemy, but to focus or look at and continue to feast at the table of the Lord. And like I said, all those things that are on the table, even if the some of the things you haven't partaken of yet, by faith you can. When you see it in the Word, and go back and study these things. When you see it in the Word, you can claim it as yours. You can possess it as yours and say, Lord, I take that now. I'm walking in the light of that by faith. And walk it out in Jesus' name because it's been prepared for you. I said to the Lord one time, Lord, I know there was this particular thing I was praying about. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I know that this is your plan for my life. This thing I see right here at the table of the Lord, this particular thing I was praying about. I see it in your word. I know it belongs to me, but I'm not experiencing it right now as I should but I do want to thank you because I submit my life to your word, because I believe your word. I thank you that I am going to experience it. I am experiencing it into my into my tomorrows. 
And I thank you that I'm walking in it more and more. You know, that's an attitude of faith, to go in and to possess it by faith and to get your mouth to align with the word of God and to agree with God's word. See, the way you start to partake of something at the table that you see, that you want, that you see is for you, belongs to you, but you're not experiencing it right now at this present time. The way you partake of that is to is to align your mouth with what the word says, to get your mouth to agree with what God's word says and to start to talk it, to start confessing it, to start speaking it into a reality in your life. Glory be to God. He goes on to say, Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. See, there's a overflow. True prosperity, true blessing in God's plan is where you have an overflow in your life and where it's running over in your life. Not just enough, not just get by, but running over in your life. Complete overflow. And finally, in verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice, as we live in this life, as we walk out our days in this life, as we live here on the earth, that goodness and mercy can and should and will follow us and all the days of our life, in every day of our life, in every situation of life. And we can believe what God's word says. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Notice goodness and mercy follow us as we live out our life here on the earth. And when we get done with this place, we're working towards, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, that's a day that's coming. Jesus said, I, in my father's house, are many mansions, John, the gospel of John chapter 14. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, he said, to prepare a place for you, that where I am there you may be also. Well, here he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, that's what we're working towards. That's what we're going towards. That's what we're moving towards. I, The house of the Lord, me dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. But in the meantime, while I'm here on the earth, goodness and mercy follow me everywhere I go. Glory be to God. Guys, remember that we don't have to go down in defeat. We can have a wonderful time in the Lord. We can feast at the table of the Lord and be blessed in everything we do. We can experience victory in every area of of life even when the world is going down in defeat. Can you say amen? Remember, you can follow the ministry on Facebook, on YouTube, and now on Rumble and on Roku TV. And there's a lot of different ways, uh, other ways too. We can, I, have, I mean, there's just a lot of different things going on right now. I gotta, I gotta constantly think and, and list out the things that we're on these days, a lot of different social media platforms. Uh, obviously, we're here on this podcast. 
Remember, you can also follow the ministry on our website, stephenoverbaugh.com, and you get updates on different meetings that are coming up. There's a lot of meetings that we're uh, doing this year, a lot of meetings we're going to this year, and it's exciting to see what the Lord is doing. Thank you to all my partners who pray for the ministry and who sow and give into the ministry. Thank you for partnering with this mandate and what the Lord is doing uh, through Stephen Overbaugh Ministries. And thank you for being a part of what God is doing right here. And I trust that you're blessed by this, and I'm looking forward to what God has in store for all of us in the future. So thank you, and we'll see you next time.